Well, thank you, Jordan and Ben. Uh, so good to have you all visitors. He is risen. All right, this is a gym. So a lot of people cheer for sports teams so we can do better than that. He is risen. Nice, nice. All right. Well, we're getting excited. He's risen indeed, right, kids? They're like, yes, treats, candy. That's all they're thinking about. Uh, there's so many good treats there. Thank you so much for the ladies who uh, put, uh, put that together. And if you guys had part of it, <laughs> awesome. Well done. Thank you, men, uh, as well. Uh, and for Shelly, she's done an amazing job just with the first on Friday with the thorn, crown of thorns, and now decorating that with the the risen Lord, uh, his, his, he is risen just like a flower coming out of the, out of the garden nowadays with uh, our tulips popping out and, and everything coming together uh, with spring. And so what a, what a celebration it is. Uh, he has risen, he has risen indeed, really separates uh, Christianity from all other religions. Uh, because the one we worship not only paid for our sin, accomplished hundreds of prophecies, uh, uh, defeated death, and gave a promise of eternal life, not on our merit, not on our merit, but on his and his alone. And so since the beginning of March, we have been in a series, uh, Cries from the Cross, which you can see on the screen there, to prepare our hearts for this Sunday. Some of you have prayed, fasted, practiced some spiritual disciplines to prepare your hearts for this momentous holiday that remembers the most important day slash week in the Christian calendar. This is known as the Holy Week, starting on Palm Sunday last Sunday and coming and finishing here on Easter Sunday. And, some of, and, and this is what a great celebration. Uh, so, some of you uh, woke up early this morning and joined me on, uh, at the beach at Keats Park. And what a, what a great time of prayer and, and time of reflection and, and what Jesus has done for each one of us. Well, this week started as a celebration for all Jewish people going back all the way to the second book of the Bible in the book of Exodus, where the Jewish nation um, started to celebrate uh, something known as the Passover. And they took a, a lamb, a spotless lamb, and shed the spotless lamb's blood and covered the doorposts of their home that the angel of death would pass over them. Well, today, both Jew and Gentile celebrate this holy week because of the true, the true spotless lamb. And Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, died for our sin, and rose again, fulfilling his promise of renewal and eternal life to all those who believe and trust in him. What a weekend. This weekend is the biggest weekend, like I've said, of, of celebration for the Christian faith because we have a risen Savior. He has promised to come again, and this time not as a spotless lamb, but a, a conquering king. He has promised to separate all those who have put their faith and trust in him from those that have not and will lovingly care for or justly judge. This is our conquering king. This is the one that is coming again. So would you please bow with me in prayer as we look to the final cry of Christ as he hung on the cross this morning. Jesus we come to you because you are our king. We come to you because you are our redeemer, our reconciler. You shed your blood for us, for our sake. 
You humbled yourself to become a man to take the penalty that we deserve. This, this is hard to comprehend, hard to understand that you would do this while we are enemies of yours. And so Jesus, as we reflect on these things and these cries that you proclaimed from the cross and we close this series, Lord, would you be glorified? Would we just help us see the things that you've said and put them together? Because I don't think they're just random sayings, but they're definitely meant for something far greater. And so help us see them this morning. Fill us with your spirit and guide my words, Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Well, you can turn your Bibles, if you have a Bible in front of you, to Luke chapter 23. We're going to hit three verses there, 45, 45, 44 through 46, and uh, finish uh, this, wrap this series up today. It says this, It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light faded, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. See, in this series, we have covered six cries of the cross, and today we're going to hit the seventh one. But these six cries are on the screen here. You can take a look at them with me. Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It says, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Third, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. Fourth, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Fifth, it's a, Jesus says, I thirst. And sixth, it is finished. And this seventh cry, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I'm sure others have seen the connection between these cries. They, they have glimmers of hope, don't they? Like individually, like when you look at them individually, they have glimmers of hope of what Jesus has done for us. But I found when, I, when you start matching these side by side with one another, and it shouldn't be shocking to us, right, that, that it shares a story. It shares something greater here that we cannot miss. And so looking at these sayings one at a time, we can see glimmers of those good news. But when these sayings are all together and better yet put side by side, like I said, they proclaim something no other man ever proclaimed, pain for someone else's sin. So let's look at the first couple. Look at the first and the fourth cries together. They say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when you put one and four together, this is what you get. You get Jesus asking for forgiveness for others and Jesus himself becoming the agent of forgiveness by taking the penalty, being the substitute, and atonement for our sin. See, forgiveness is the very reason Jesus came. Jesus came to save, and to save, you must be forgiven, right? To be saved, you must be forgiven. And, and, and to, to know that you need to be forgiven, you must confess. And to confess, you must have known that you've sinned. So I guess the biggest question out of that is that do you believe that you have sinned? 
Jesus' first word from the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. I grew up in the church. Uh, my grandfather on my Adrian side was a, was a pastor at a Mennonite church um, in Penticton and all over, uh, really, the, the Western, Western Canada. Uh, my other grandfather, my grandfather, uh, Grandpa Erickson, just an amazing, soft-hearted, biblical man. Amazing. Two grandfathers that just loved Jesus. My dad, my mom, they served the church all their life, and they still are. Um, my brother is a pastor in Abbotsford. Um, I became, like I said, I grew up in the church. I became a Christian when I was five years old. I, I was baptized when I was 15. And from the time of grade six, I knew I was going to go to Bible school because I wanted to learn more about this Jesus that I saw my grandfathers live out, that I saw my dad live out, that I saw my mom live out. And so I wanted to know more about him. I grew up in a good Christian family, generational Christian family. By the time I was 20 years old, I can't really remember a whole lot of times I ever missed church. We went to church every Sunday morning and Sunday night. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of praising my king. It was sweet. By the time of 12 years old, I was probably reading the Bible most every day. I loved the, the word of God. It, like Something happened to me early on in my life that I just loved reading the word of God. Looking back on my days um, externally, I never touched drugs. I think the first time I tasted beer was in my 30s. It's really good, by the way. Um, never swore. I said shoot once on the basketball court. And all my friends, I got a technical foul for swearing. And I looked at the ref and I was like, I don't swear. And he's like, yeah, you did. You said the S word. And all my whole bench stood up yelling at the ref. He doesn't swear. <laughs> Externally, I was a really, really good kid. But internally, I was broken. I was broken. And I didn't even realize it. See, my heart was filled with deception, manipulation, and lies. I stole the innocence of others. I used people for my benefit. I took advantage of others physically, sexually, and emotionally, all while pointing the finger at others because I hid my sin internally while others practiced their sin externally. And when mine went external, I hid it. I put a barrier between me and my sin, not according to myself, because of all the great things I did. You know, I needed forgiveness, and friends, I still do. I still have a mind and heart and eyes that wander, don't you? 
sometimes wishing for something that you don't have or if you could have more of what you already have. Like the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7.15, they are my words as well. For I do not understand my own actions. Does that resonate with you? Don't even understand them at times. Like I confessed to this week with, with a guy I was meeting, meeting with for a lunch and, and I looked at him and I said, and he was talking about just the fear of other people and looking for affirmation from others. And, and Instagram and Facebook, all these social media outlets are, are just building the fear of man into us, are they not? And he was confessing some of this and I was like, oh man, I am right with you. I actually was working on a sermon just that day and I had to delete a whole section of it because deep down in my heart, God revealed that that story was about me. I wanted to elevate me. Our hearts are incredibly evil. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do you know what you are doing against the holy God? Better yet, do you know what the holy God did for you? See, Jesus took that sin of the past, the present, and the future and nailed it eternally to the cross. Not because you recognize what you did and asked Jesus to do it, but Jesus did this while you were at your worst. Psalm 103, 12 through 13 says this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. Do you fear him? As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. 1 John 1, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth your sin... That God is faithful and just, perfect. He's just and will forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What an incredible God. Romans 5, verses 6, 8, and 10 says that when we were weak, when we were enemies, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. When we were at our worst, he is at his best. Jesus became man so that he could pay for our sin. Friends, it says in the book of John 10.10 10, that Jesus came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He wants you to have life. Not life here. Life eternally and have it abundantly. And who's they in the passage? Well, the ones who fear and put their trust in him because of the payment he paid on the cross See, forgiveness is taking the weight off of someone. Taking the weight. So when someone confesses to me their sin, it's like they're, they're putting that weight of sin upon me when I say, I forgive you. I forgive you the debt that we have between us. And I am the one that now has to carry that weight. Actually, I push it to the cross because I can't carry it. Jesus can Symbolizing all that our sin is actually against the holy God. And do we recognize this? 
Do you recognize that every little sin is not just about against your mom or dad or against your friend or against your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife? It's actually against the holy God. So Jesus submitted himself for you and I and paid our wages of death so that we might live. Are you willing to confess that you are a sinner and that you need Jesus' perfect sacrifice for yourself today? We don't know what we are doing. Psalm 32, 1 through 2 and verse 5 says this, it's on the screen, it says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed are you. Whose sin is covered with what? Jesus' blood. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and who, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Skipping to verse 5, it says, I acknowledged my sin to you. This is what we are called to do. We are called to acknowledge our sin and I did not cover my iniquity. I didn't cover it up any longer. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and God says to him, I forgive the iniquity of, my, of your sin. That's one and four. Let's put two and five together. The cries two and five say this, today you will be with me in paradise and I thirst. These are saying that this is the proclamation for those who believe. Jesus becomes true satisfaction for all spiritually thirsty. The living water is Jesus. The criminal hanging beside Jesus recognized this from the cross in his last hours. He was given grace to see it. Just like you and I, if we believe and trust in Jesus as Lord, that's only by grace. But with deep sorrow, many, including those watching and listening to the cries of Jesus, never heard these words explained or thought deeply of them. They only saw a man crying nonsensical words. See, the people in the guards headed back home, most likely ridiculing Jesus' name for claiming to be God, and the other criminal died that day and entered into a place of eternal judgment. Maybe this is some of us. Just another day, not realizing that this historical event took place 2,000 years ago on this earth, not some other weird foreign land or some other planet. This actually happened 2,000 years ago. There's too much, too much historical evidence to say anything different. And these individuals that stood behind, beside the cross, mocking and spitting and, and, ridiculing, scoffing Jesus, walked away from the cross as maybe we will walk out this door, making it just another day, maybe even praying the prayer of the Pharisee in Luke 18, which was my prayer in my teens. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. I'm a good person. Not like those other people. See, those surrounding the cross that momentous day were not aware of the deception and brokenness of their heart. The question we must ask ourselves, do we thirst? Do we recognize the brokenness of your heart? 
Do we want to be remembered by Jesus like the criminal on the cross or stay in the darkness of the day like the other criminal? See, this cross represents something so great. On one side, you have a criminal going, I want you, Jesus. Remember me in paradise. And on the other side going, I don't want anything to do with you. See, Jesus looked at one of the criminals on the cross hanging beside him, and that man was eternally changed. He thirsted after Christ. It was so important to him to express this. There was a heart change in this man. Has our heart really changed? Or are we going through motions? Have you been softened by Jesus' words while he hung for others' sin, your sin? Do you thirst for Jesus, or are you still going back to a dusty well that, well that will never, ever satisfy? So we have one and four, two and five, and look at three and six together. It says, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother, and it is finished. See, the joining of two to become one family, Jesus becomes the perfect adoption agency. For all those who are in need of help, Jesus orchestrates, Jesus becomes the provider, Jesus accomplishes the task of reconciliation to the eternal family of God. See, while hanging on the cross, Jesus approves the care for the widow and for a lost son. This adoption was a benefit to both Mary and John. And like the adoption Jesus was fulfilling on the cross was a benefit to us, when he proclaimed, it is finished, the adoption was accomplished in us as well. We spent the last around six months in the book of Ephesians, and I repeated, and I did it intentionally, repeated a phrase, God the Father has sent Jesus the Son to shed his blood and the Spirit to seal us for the day of redemption inviting us back into the eternal family. This is the adoption of Christ. He is the adoption agency wanting us to come back to the grandfather, the father that loves us. This is the finished work of Jesus. Jesus' perfect life and payment by death unites us to the eternal family. Scripture alone, faith alone, Jesus alone, God alone, faith alone. In these first six cries, we see forgiveness. One and four is all about forgiveness. Two and five is all about a thirst for life, eternal life. And three and six, we see the adoption. Forgiveness, a thirst, and adoption. And number seven, as we close, we'll see this. Jesus and the Father's sweet communion with one another is now again perfected by giving us the perfect example of what we ought to do to enjoy the eternal union with the triune God, we are to commit our spirit to him. The seventh cry from the cross that Jesus proclaimed was, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus, like the beginning of his ministry while being persecuted by Satan in the desert, use scripture to battle that persecution and that temptation. And here at the end of his earthly life, he quotes scripture once again. You see, this quote is most likely one he had quoted as a young boy going to sleep every night. See, Jewish tradition says that parents would teach their children Psalm 31 verse 5 as they went to sleep to entrust their spirit to God while they laid their heads to rest. And when this should have been a moment of utter despair for Jesus, his final cry 
was a lullaby. Was a lullaby. See, to stick with the gospel theme all the way through, this was also Jesus' confession of the only place he would ever trust his spirit in the hands of God. This too ought to be our cry. When troubled, shamed, guilt-ridden, tormented by thoughts of past, present, or future worries, we, like Jesus, ought to go to the only place of rest, God the Father, who cares for our soul. Psalm 31 is a beautiful and powerful psalm that Jesus points us to in his final cry, and I would suggest it wasn't by coincidence. You see, this psalm talks of a troubled and tormented king. And this king ends the psalm with this. Such a powerful verses 23 and 24. It says, Love the Lord, all you his saints. This is a command. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong then and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. See, Jesus was renewed to kingship. And you see, Adam in Genesis 3 went to a tree and plucked the fruit that stained all of mankind with sin. Jesus also went to the tree and fully renewed mankind by taking the fruit that stained and placing that stain upon himself. Another story in Scripture, a woman went to a well to get water that would quench her thirst, and Jesus offers her water that will quench her thirst forever. Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And this same question is posed to you. Who do you say Jesus is? Is it working itself out in your actions? Like that who you say Jesus is? Does it work, your, does it work itself out in, in what you value? In how you speak with your friends and your coworkers? Does it work itself out? I was talking to Bill back at the soundboard this morning uh, as we were prepping, and, and we were just talking about just different things that come out of our mouths. And, and uh, you know, like, I, I find this too, like, the outbursts of anger within my, coming from my heart. And, you know, the, the most easy thing to say is to say, that wasn't me. That, that, was, that wasn't me. I'm not really like that. But the truth is, that is you. All the other times that you're good and pleasant is when you got a mask on. The times that you're most angry most sinful, most desiring the things of the, the world, the flesh, that's when your heart is being exposed and it's coming out of you. Out of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so what you actually said was you. Who is Jesus to you? Do you believe Jesus forgives your sin? Do you believe there is no other way but through Jesus? Are you ready for eternal adoption sealed by Jesus' blood shed for you? And are you ready to confess Jesus and commit your spirit to him? There's forgiveness for you. There's a quenching of a thirst. There's adoption. 
Are you willing now to confess it? Jesus, in his seven cries, unpacks the gospel. This shouldn't shock us, for it's Jesus hanging there. And don't you think the last words he would say would lead us to a saving salvation from our sin? Forgive them. Thirst for me. I will adopt you. Just confess me as your Lord. She's your pastor for around eight months. I don't know all of your stories as of yet, but I do know we as Christians are called to, we are called to repent and be baptized. This Sunday around the world, many are giving into the action step of baptism, an amazing sacrament, a one-time sacrament that we've been gifted. Baptism is the symbol of this weekend. It is, it is Easter personified. Jesus' life, Jesus' death, and Jesus' resurrection. And Jesus called us to practice baptism for a few reasons. Jesus called us to practice it because he is the one that's given us an example of it because it glorifies him and his work, not ours. And baptism is a symbol of rebirth. It's a symbol of resurrection. It's the symbol that we now get to live in him. See, baptism, baptism is a dying to your old kingdom and coming alive in the new. It is the public symbol of uniting yourself with Christ. And because I don't know all of your stories, I want to invite you. If you have not yet been baptized, there is no better time. There's no better time to express Jesus' life, Jesus' death, and Jesus' resurrection and publicly declare, this is who I'm following. I'm just going to throw it out there. If you have not yet been baptized and you would like to be, come and talk to me afterwards. I would love to have that conversation with you. Well, as we close, there's also another sacrament that we practice here at the shore, that is communion. And communion is a representation of what we've been talking about of these cries. It's a rep representation of the cries that have just been expressed that, that we have an opportunity to confess our sin. And Jesus is faithful in forgiving us our sin. And he's done that through partaking in the bread and the juice. And the broken bread is a representation of his body on the cross. It's a symbol um, even in the, in the story, the curtain being ripped in two, is, it says in Hebrews chapter 10 that Jesus' body was ripped in two, broken for us. He was the mediator between us and God the Father in the Holy of Holies. And now that space is now opened up to all that we can actually go right to the throne room of God the Father. We have complete access because we are now looked upon as righteous. He's credited to us all of his righteousness. And so this blood shed over us, which represent, is represented by the Jews, is the covering. So if you are one that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you believe with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength that he is your Lord and you've confessed that with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, then come and partake with us.
This is for the Christian family that has been adopted. And if you're not yet a Christian, if you've not yet confessed that as, uh, to be yours, to, to devote your life to this, then do that today. Come to one of the prayer couples on the side and, and ask some questions and, and even just let them know that you, you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior today. And we would love to be praying for you. So Ben, why don't you guys come on up and we'll close in some song and partaking in communion and reflecting on these cries. So would you stand with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for this amazing sacrifice. Thank you that you are the true Savior. That we, it's nothing that we've done accounts really for anything. It's all your work, Jesus. So thank you. Thank you that you've come and offered us forgiveness. That you've come and offered us a drink. That you've come and offered us adoption. And we simply need to confess you with our mouth, as Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. And believe in our heart that you, God, raised them from the dead. And so I pray, if there's any in those, this room now, would you soften their heart to this amazing call. And if those Christian brothers and sisters are in this room and uh, need to repent of something, confess something, uh, please soften their heart to do so. Reveal, as you've revealed my sin, please, Lord, Help us surrender to you. May we be one with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.